how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're bottom. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Emma Needle grew up on a solar-powered cattle ranch in Colorado. While they didn't have a television, they did have movies. They had everything from Torah, Torah, Torah to do the right thing, she told me about her parents' movie collection. She eventually used this imaginative nature to create her own worlds, though. Most recently, she's created The Waterman, a story about a boy who goes on a quest to save his ill mother by searching for a mythic figure said to have healing powers. In this interview, the screenwriter talks about The Waterman and an upcoming movie, Songs of the Damned, why she loves collaboration, how to write grounded fantasy stories, how to avoid what she calls shine crafters, and why sometimes the obstacles provide the best answers. I grew up in rural Colorado on a solar-powered cattle ranch, and um, you know, as kids, we didn't have cable television or video games, um, but we had movies. And my parents are huge cinephiles. So they had everything from, you know, Torah, 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 um, to all the Clint Eastwood movies to do the right thing. And, um, you know, I grew up in rural Colorado is like very much cowboy country. Um, and I'm a nerdy Jewish girl who's allergic to horses. So I didn't really have, you know, a lot of friends growing up and movies to me were proof that there was an outside world full of a lot of different kinds of people and a lot of different ideas. And so I formed this immediate, very uh, intense emotional bond with movies. Um, and so the goal was always, you know, after college, go to L.A. I didn't know anyone. I didn't go to a film school, I was, but I was like, I felt destined to work in, in Hollywood. And I loved the idea, you know, I did short films in college and um, in high school, and I loved collaboration. That's always been the drive. Um, but screenwriting, I actually fell into it after I moved out here. So I was broke and I didn't know anyone. And it's really hard to direct something if you don't know anyone and you don't have any money. And so writing was a way that I could, um, you know, be creative 
and explore art, um, the art of, you know, working in movies, but for free and by myself. And as I started to write more, I fell in love with it. Um, and I, I feel like Waterman was the kind of, uh, I mean, it was the first good screenplay I wrote. I had written five before that were all really bad um, before I wrote Waterman. And with Waterman, I really finally tapped into what I wanted to say. I think the first screenplays, I was trying to figure out form and craft and writing often um, what I thought other people would want to read. But for but Waterman was something I believed in um, and, and drew a lot of my own um, kind of perspectives and philosophies on life um, into it. So I'm looking at the like the description for Waterman, also another script you sold, um, Songs of the Dam. They seem kind of like yeah. fantasy based, but is that is that accurate or like um, I don't know, like what kind of led you to these stories that are very different? Very like if you just pitch the idea, they are very different than things we've seen before. But what's kind of the connection between these three movies that you've sold? Yeah, great question. Um, so I'm a definite world builder and myth maker. I, I like invention. I like, you know, um, originality. I like, I'm excited by stuff you've never seen before. But first and foremost, the through line for every project I've worked on, it's twofold. Um, from a philosophy standpoint, um, I like stories that I call evil with a heart. So dark in story, tone, characters, theme, but always with a through line of hope. So that's the kind of philosophy that drives me. But from the craft standpoint, I write stories that I see a very clear premise for. The premise is the North Star, the project, you know, what, what the point is, what the um, argument you're making through narrative. For Waterman, uh, it's hope is the strongest form of bravery. And that thought is a North Star, how, and that's how I crafted everything else about Waterman. For Songs of the Damned, which is a prison break musical comedy, which is very different. Um, but the premise was so strong. And I developed that idea with the director. And that one is the director's original idea. When he pitched it to me, the premise of that was so clear, which is art is the real freedom. Um, and so every project I work on and the features I've all worked on have had a director attached. And it really means as a screenwriter sitting down and, and talking with your director and asking, okay, what is it you want to say? What do you believe in? Um, what is that North Star? And then everything gets crafted around that. Was it the, did the theme to Waterman like inspire you as well? Because a lot of people might think, you know, five scripts is five or 600 pages. That's a lot. Like what kind of was pushing you during those years to keep moving forward with it? Yeah. So um, I, you know, it asks some pretty, it brings up some pretty fundamental questions about life and death and family. And um, at, at the time I was, uh, I, I, there's a story that um, a friend of a friend had gone through, which I'll briefly share. But um, I grew up in Colorado, huge adventure state. And there was a, a friend of a friend of mine who had a near death experience as a river guide, someone who had been, uh, you know, a rafting guide for years and years, but um, they were unlucky one day, fell off the raft and they were held underwater by the current and they technically drowned. They were resuscitated with CPR and um, you know, essentially came back to life and um, recounted this feeling they had when they were held underwater where 
you know, they had this kind of feeling or, or realization that they were going to die. They were filled with a sense of peace and euphoria. Um, and it really changed the way they see the world and they see life and death. And they told me that story when I was 18 and grappling with the death of my grandparents, which really affected my my family and my father especially. Um, and so I was I was kind of questioning life and death and, and what does it all mean and who are we and why are we here? Um, at the same time, I was an assistant slash nanny and I was working on the waterman and the boy I was taking care of was 10 years old and he was grappling with a lot of these questions too. Um, and it, you know, it, it kind of made me realize, you know, these are things that we're all asking um, and children are trying to figure out the world. I'm trying to figure out the world. Um, you know, what does it all mean? What do I believe? And it really, this idea of hope um, was what drove me, this, this feeling of if there's one thing I want to communicate to audiences and one thing I wanted to sometimes <laughs> scream at the world is to have hope. Um, and that hope is not weakness. It's actually strength and bravery. Do you sort of see, so you kind of carried a version of that story with you, and I'm sure it like morphed over time. Do you see that as the right time, right place that you wrote that? I mean, everybody wants to sell their first scripts, but I think like maybe that, I don't know, carrying that with you and your new perspective as you aged a little bit, do you kind of see those all together as what maybe made this story work even more than some of your past scripts? What made this story work in terms of how it got made um, has less to do with, well, here's what it has to do with. I think some of the best screenplays of all time are ones that have never been made into movies. Um, Hollywood can be a very um, fickle and heartbreaking place to work. But what make, what the difference with this one, um, so many things, but first and foremost um, is credit to David Oyelowo and Harpo Films and Shiv Hans um, and RLJ Entertainment. Um, and, and the through line for that, for how this got made. So I was an assistant slash nanny, as I mentioned, the script started going out. Um, it, I got a manager. He started sending it to his friends and other, you know, executives. And it just through word of mouth started to, to kind of blow up. And I was found myself after a couple months in a position of, of choice. And I had interest from an independent financier. I had interest from a big studio with a director. Um, and I wanted to really make the right choice. And for me, it was defining success. And I defined success as finding a collaborator on this project that was passionate about it and didn't just, and, and who understood the premise, this idea of hope. Um, and that's when I got, eventually got a call um, that David Oyelowo and Harpo Films wanted to meet about it. And in that meeting, I realized David didn't just understand the premise. He lived it. He knew it. He believed it. And I, I, he had unparalleled passion for the project. And it's not like the script just was on like a steady course to get made. There were a lot of kind of meandering paths and wrong turns, but the through line for it was David's passion. And you're, the best thing you can do as a screenwriter is to write something that ignites the passion of the other collaborators of your project. Um, so David was passionate about it and had a vision for it, even before he was director, um, which, which is just the, the best thing that ever could have happened. We had another director on it who had to step off. And um, I actually pitched David directing it 
like David, you've known this story better than anyone the whole time. It, it's your story. And, you know, he signed on and he then brought together a team driven by passion. And that was his North star of decision-making. I want to work with people who understand the premise, this idea of hope and are passionate about that. And that more than anything is what got this project made. I really like that because you're taking out some of the intangibles, kind of focusing on the process as opposed to the results, even though the results did come from that. I've read an interview you did where you referred to like some people you wouldn't want to collaborate with as shine crafters. Can you talk a little bit about <laughs> like what that yeah. is and how to avoid those people? Totally. Um, it's a term actually my fiance and I coined. Um, I met him out in Los Angeles and, you know, there are a lot of uh, people we, we call them, um, shine crafters um, who are really good at making something appear very sparkly, really good at kind of the art of the pitch or the art of the sell. Um, and you have to dig in a little deep when you meet with people and really understand what makes them tick. Why do they do what they do? Why do they care? Uh, because people are really good at kind of selling or like, oh, look how much, you know, even with the other deals I had, like, oh, look at this big director who's involved at this big studio or look at all the, you know, the money that's being offered. Um, and you have to kind of deduce like, okay, do you want the money? Do you want the kind of prestige and to get your script, you know, maybe a big flashy headline, but then you're just, you know, backlog on a slate. Um, what is it you really want? And um, there's a lot of shiny things out there, but I think one of the most important things you can do as a, as a screenwriter, when you, you know, you, you kind of, um, climb over that first huge mountain, which is getting people to notice your work, which is a massive accomplishment. But then you kind of have to start asking yourself, okay, what is it that I want? Um, and for me, I, I was very wary of, of people. Um, and not that there were any bad intentions. I don't think people go into this with bad intentions. I just think we can get lost in the shiny object. And it's really important to stay grounded and to ask yourself, okay, who do I want to collaborate with and why? So you had like a very, you know, positive feeling you mentioned with David. Is it, is it also like a gut feeling with these type of people? Are you listening for certain things or is it just kind of a, just an instinct you have maybe in the meeting? So David, um, when I met with him, it was right after Selma and I'd seen that film in theaters and it was absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, new, I was floored that an actor of that caliber wanted to even meet with me slash maybe work on Waterman. But um, it was also the way he talked about the story. He really understood it. And he has four children of his own. And what he really wanted to do was to tell a story uh, with a black family at the center um, that was, that, that kind of dealt with some universal themes, um, especially really, you know, intense themes but his, his big thing was, look, I have four children. I know children. I know how they think. They're questioning. They ask fundamental questions. And I, I want to tell a story that's an adventure film, but that doesn't talk down to our young audience. And I thought that was just so amazing and so wise. And uh, I mean, I think quite noble, but he also said this thing, which is the best thing a screenwriter can hear, um, which is, I promise that I will work, I will do everything I can to get this movie made and that you will not be rewritten off the project, that you will stay involved. And, you know, maybe there are people who wouldn't live up to that, but I just had a feeling that David was telling the truth. 
Um, and as I've gotten to know him, you know, I've worked with him quite closely these last, um, oh my gosh, like six years or so. Um, he has been true to that every step of the way. He is a man of his word. Um, and he's also the kind of artist who makes safe spaces for ideas. Um, and that really came, I was on set, and that really came to fruition. You saw it in action on set where he wanted a cinematographer who brought their own artistry or the production designer or even the prop master. I mean, there are so many people that he brought on and said, hey, give me your best as an artist. Um, and I think that's what I've learned so much through this whole thing. Seeing a film go from, you know, a, a seed of an idea to a finished film. The best thing you can do as a screenwriter is write something that inspires other people, that inspires the director and gives them vision and passion, but that simultaneously inspires all the other artists who will contribute and collaborate on it. So what was the original idea for Watermix? You've kind of got a, a family drama wrapped in an adventure story. So where did this idea initially come from? So, um, Nature has always been a place of, of inspiration. And um, it, where I grew up in Colorado, there's a lot of kind of, um, there are a lot of legends that, you know, kind of happen or that are told. 30 minutes away from where I live, for instance, you know, there's this old mining town and there's an old kind of decrepit mansion there too. And, you know, oh, the ghost of the mining baron still haunts that place. So, ghost stories have always kind of been interwoven in the fabric of my reality and of my childhood. Um, and as a kid, you know, you, you kind of believe these things or you want to believe them. And so it was always this idea of, um, of, of a legend and hope um, being interwoven. That was always the, the big idea. Um, and then driven, of course, by, by an emotion. And I think often when, you, you're going, when you or your family, when, when you're going through something as, you know, kind of intense as, as illness, um, often you want to help. You want to just do something to fix it. Um, and there's this real sense of urgency too. Um, but sometimes the best thing you can do is just um, take your own wants and needs out of it and listen to what, you know, the person who's actually sick wants. And I think Mary's line in the script says it so perfectly, but um, we need to, we don't know how much time we have and we need to spend it loving each other every day. Um, and so it, it's this realization that sometimes the urgency to fix something could potentially do more harm than good when what really matters is time spent with your loved one. Did you have any, oh, you're writing multiple drafts and that type of thing. Did you have any like tone shifts and like, what was the idea about the animation? Were there other ideas in, in terms of like making sure this is like age appropriate or, or kids and parents would resonate and that type of thing? Mm -hmm. Great question. So the original draft that I wrote was definitely a lot darker, more of a PG-13. Um, and David, it was actually David's idea. He was like, I think this will really speak to young audiences, but we need to make a bit of a tonal shift here and to make it more of an adventure film, um, which it was absolutely the right choice. Um, and the animation, which is my favorite part of the movie, actually, um, that was David's idea. So, you know, we're, we have our line producer breaking down the budget. And in the script, as it was written, the Waterman flashback sequence took place 
in kind of real life. And our, the producer was like, yeah, this is going to be way too expensive. And so David and I huddled and we're like, oh, what can we do? Um, and, you know, Gunnar was always a writer. He was always, as a character, he was always writing a graphic novel. And David had the brilliant idea of, wait, what if we just have the Waterman flashback happen in Gunnar's head, drawn in the same animation style as his graphic novel? And what started as a, you know, a bit of a problem that was in need of a solution blossomed into my favorite part of the film. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think David, this is, I, I was a production assistant um, before as well, but David has a lot of experience on set, of course. And I think he, he is confronting situations where there's a problem because of a budget or because of a change in schedule or whatever, and you have to be able to pivot. And sometimes those pivots actually bring on some of the best parts of a project. It's just, you know, uncharted territory, which can be intimidating. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.